With your host, Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right, well, welcome to another edition of The Rap Report. I'm your host, Andrew Rappaport, and I have a special guest today. We're going to talk about, well, women's ministries and discipling women and materials, but, uh, I have with us today Susan Heck. She is with WithTheMaster.org. Uh, now, one of the things is that we have a mutual friend, and that's how we got to know each other, and, and uh, that's Justin Peters. And I should say that as of now, as the time of this recording, uh, tomorrow will be our Snatch Them from the Flames Home Edition conference that Justin and I are doing. But by the time you're listening to this, I think we had a wonderful time. Justin just knocked it out of the park. I, I, he did an excellent job, even though it didn't happen yet. But, well, it's Justin. I already know that he did an excellent job, or will. But uh, if you haven't watched the Snatch from Flame Home Edition, it will still be available. We're, we recorded it, unless, of course, there's technical issues, and I'm speaking in the future, but as if it's the past. But uh, it will be recorded, and it'll remain on strivingforturning.org slash... Uh, online-events, or just go to strivingforeternity.org and click the online events. You can see everything there. And so, Susan, welcome to the Rap Report. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Now, you and I got to meet at the Truth Matters Conference. And yes. <laughs> I had heard quite a bit about you because Justin really, um, not to embarrass you at all, but Justin praises your work very, very highly. And to get a praise from Justin is is kind of hard. And so when he praises somebody, <laughs> when he praises somebody, I, I, I pay attention. So uh, I, I was I was glad to get to meet uh, you and your husband at at Truth Matters. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I was brought up in a Baptist minister's home, so I grew up knowing about the gospel and God. And uh, I got saved and baptized three times, but never, my life never changed. And um, went off to Moody Bible Institute where I met my husband. Phil Johnson was his roommate. And Phil Johnson went to my dad's church. My dad baptized Phil. And Phil said to Doug, my husband, my pastor's daughter is coming here and you need to date her because uh, she tends to get in with the wrong crowd. So anyway, Phil introduced us and uh, the rest is history, but uh, still thinking I was a believer, but I was not. So uh, basically the first 10 years of our marriage, I really was uh, tore my house down brick by brick, so to speak. And uh, at the age of 30, uh, God arrested my heart and I don't need to go into all the details, but um, the Lord saved me. I repented of my sin. First time I saw myself as a sinner, and um, my life really, really changed. And that was 34 years ago. And um, then after that, I just I started hungering for the Word like I never had before. I read my Bible every day. I thought that's what you know Christians did, but it never had any meaning or uh, didn't mean anything to me other than words on a page. And um, so uh, my life tra- transformed began to put off sin and uh, became under submission to my husband and 
just wanted to know the Bible. So I started uh, memorizing scripture. My husband had most of the New Testament memorized when I met him. And so I started that journey myself and actually just completed that this year, completed the New Testament. So uh, I have a passion to help women to be strong in the word and to, uh, to know and love God through scripture. And that is my passion and desire. So that's kind of a nutshell. <laughs> that's the short version. So you got a couple of pastors in your family there, dad, husband, sons. I know. <laughs> my son, my son-in-law. Yep, we do. We're so blessed. That, so thankful. And my dad was a godly man. He really was. And he exposited scripture. Um, but unfortunately, he was of the vein of re- uh, decisional regeneration, walk and I'll pray a prayer. And so as a child, you know, I didn't want to go to hell. I, I didn't, you know, my dad preached on hell. And so I didn't want to go there. So most of my decisions as, as a teenager and a child were emotional. I really didn't understand the gospel. I really didn't understand repentance. I didn't think I was a sinner. I had nothing to be, you know, forgiven of until, uh, you know, God just, he really literally slapped me down and uh, humbled me and, I wept and mourned over my sin first time in my life. And uh, so God, I'm so thankful. And I have a passion for people brought up in the church that know all the religious lingo, but don't know Christ. They don't have, they don't know Christ. So no, that um, doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. More than you think. Oh, (laughs) way more. Full of them. (laughs) Yes. You know, one of the things that you, you said, which maybe people like heard and went, wait, what? You, to memorize even a book of the of a Bible, yeah. you know, is something that people think is impossible to do. Um, but and I'm going to ask you this question because I've done this myself, not the whole New Testament, but I would I would memorize book by book. Though my problem is I wouldn't keep up with it. So mm-hmm. when you don't keep up with it, you you end up forgetting it. But here's what I found in memorizing books of the Bible was. And, and working at that memorization of it is even say the book of of Titus, James, Philemon, uh, Philippians. You know these the books. I didn't work at memorizing the Gospels. <laughs> Maybe I should. But what I ended up doing in my own head was developing an outline for that memory. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. may not be able to tell you specifically what verse in Titus speaks mm-hmm. about. The, the older men with younger men and the older mm-hmm. women with younger women. But I know it's there and I know what it says, right? So mm-hmm. I, I know it's somewhere in the middle of the book, roughly, like mm-hmm. chapter two-ish probably. Mm-hmm. But I have chapter to, two, yep. I'd have to look, right? Because I didn't memorize verses, verse numbers. However... I didn't either. Yeah, because that'd be <laughs> even harder. But, but yeah. did you find, as I did, that... It, memorizing a book of the Bible actually helps you to get an outline and to get the context of that book? Oh, yes, very much so. I don't teach a book of the Bible until I have it memorized because it's so insightful and helpful. And um, yes, I do find that. And I'm like you, I don't do one, 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 two, one, three, but I can tell you, someone says, where's the chapter in James about the tongue? You know, I could tell you what chapter it is or where's the chapter about wisdom or you know, the rich men or, you know, trials or whatever. So I see that because I've memorized it and I can take approximately what verse, you know, uh, it is, but not exactly. So because chapters and verses were added later, they weren't really, 
<laughs> Not everyone knows <laughs> that. Yeah. When Paul wrote a letter, he wrote a letter. So, um, yeah. Yeah, with this, it's been with a this, joy. With the smaller books, what I used to do is I would I just print off the book. I I had hmm. a Titus because that's a smaller book, and I had it printed on back two sided sheet of paper that I would fold up and stick into my pocket, and everywhere I walked, I would pull it out of my pocket. Hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, now you have apps. I have an app on the on the phone that helps me to memorize, um, and mm-hmm. so you could just you know it, it's a it has like games you can play to help with the memorization. It's called Verses, and it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a helpful. But the mm-hmm. thing that I I really was it was funny with the Book of Titus is I could still remember which which parts were right on a line because I'd fold it in in thirds and then in thirds again and slip it in my pocket. And kind of that third, top third, middle third, and bottom third, I'd memorize kind of in those blocks. (laughs) And and so I could actually see it on that paper. (laughs) Oh, that's good. But it's, it was, it was taking, it was really utilizing the time of that's typically, you know, if someone's in an office and they're, they're walking to go get a cup of coffee at, at the cafeteria it's a great mm-hmm. time to sit and as you're walking, don't trip, but pull out a piece of paper, pull out your phone. And I mean, people are on their phone anyway, the, instead of texting, memorize, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's right. So let's talk about women's ministry. It, there's never any problems at all in any churches with women's ministry, right? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's a mess, I'll tell you. It, it is. it is a mess. So, I mean, there are many popular women's teachers, for people that will write material for, for women's Bible studies. And I, I remember, this is many years ago, my wife went to, we went to church, and they started doing a Bible study, on, and they were using Beth Moore. and. Mm-hmm. And she's even worse now than she was. I mean, this is like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my wife is sitting in this Bible study and, you know, she's going because, you know, we're members of the church. We want to support the events that, that go on. And my wife is going, gets to, to know some of the ladies and talk with them, disciple them. And she's sitting in this study and she's just, my wife's a naturally quiet person. And she's mm-hmm. listening to this and she's coming home and she's like, you know, this book is talking this and this and this, and they're they're discussing this, and it's just, like, should I be correcting them? I'm like, well, that's what is wrong, so yeah. She's like, all right. So she goes back and corrects them and says, look, this is what Beth Moore's saying, but this is what the Bible's saying. And after, like, three weeks of that, she she just looks at me and says, I'm not doing this anymore. She goes, Mm -hmm. if they want to do this book study, I'll wait till they're done with it and do something else with the ladies. I said, why? She goes, she goes, First off, I'd rather I'd rather go to pastor conferences with you than this stuff. It's just fluff. Mm-hmm. There's no content, mm-hmm. and when there is content, you can't trust mm-hmm. it. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she she just said, "I'm done with it." That mm-hmm. was my introduction introduction to Beth Moore and and women's studies. And what I found is there are there are some uh, Beth Moore would be one that is uh, she is a very divisive person. Now, what I mean by that is. There are people that if you dare say what I just said, that she's full of fluff and has no content or actually says things that are wrong or even worse now, that she says things that are unbiblical, like that she's having dreams of Jesus brushing her hair, 
um, it, it will divide. I mean, people will actually, you know, I knew of a pastor that just stopped talking to me when mm-hmm. I found out that he, in his sermon, had promoted Beth Moore, and I said, are you familiar with her? Like, you know, she claims mm-hmm. to have dreams from God and dreams that turn out to be untrue. He stopped mm-hmm. talking to me over that, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? But, you see, mm-hmm. she has become almost this divisive issue, or if you, if you don't speak highly of her, people will cut you off. Of course, mm-hmm. the thing that always gets me puzzled is they say that they're tolerant. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, actually, Andrew, Beth Moore is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today. Other than, I mean, God is sovereign and he's the one that's given me, I never intended to do what I'm doing, but about 25, about 25 years ago, a friend of mine asked me if I would listen to a video of hers. She said, do you know Beth Moore? And I said, no, I don't, never heard of her. So I took the video, and at that time, I had just started writing studies for the ladies in my church. So I put it in. It was a, you know, a, a VHS, so that tells you how long ago. Put it in the TV, and my husband watched 15 minutes. He said, I'm going to bed. And I said, well, I'm going to watch the whole thing because I want to give my friend an adequate review of what I think. So I watched the whole thing, and th- I, this is really true what happened. I turned off the television, and I said, Lord, if you want to use me for your glory, I will do it. This is disgusting. And she was, that was 25 years ago. And she was saying, the problem with Christians is they have attention, spiritual deficit disorder. And the, and the solution is sit still and know he's God. And I thought, what, what is she talking about? And so it was honestly, Andrew, through that, I mean, I already had a passion for women and was teaching women, but I never wanted a public forum. I never, I never planned to be an author, a speaker, but I did. I, I told the Lord, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do to help women. This is disgusting. And if she's the one that women are listening to today, you know, like she even said, if I'm, if I'm America's Bible teacher, America is in trouble. And, she, and we are in trouble. Women that listen to her and follow her. And I, it's divided me too at, at places I go, but I cannot stand by and and not say anything when I'm asked what I think of her. I tell them that she's a false teacher and uh, there's so much out there now. And you're right. You're exactly right. She has just become loony. I mean, I don't even know what she's saying anymore. And it's, it's grievous. It's grievous to me. It's very grievous to me. And um, so I'm, I'm with you on that one. And that's what people gravitate to. That's what women gravitate to. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm a woman. It's puzzling to me, um, you know, that she's gotten the platform she has with, with not any content, but, you know, this is why I think we are hurting in churches so much because, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the women in churches, it's like, in my opinion, many churches, what they do is, it's like, okay, the pastor's wife or some other woman teaches a, a, a study. And I know that when I was pastor, there was this expectation my wife would lead a, a women's Bible study, and my wife's not a teacher. And I think what often happens is people, churches put the pastor's wife in that position. They don't want to teach, so they get some material. Beth Moore's mm-hmm. popular. Okay, we'll get that. But you're not doing the ladies in the church a spiritual service by giving mm-hmm. them material and, and saying we have to, you know, we, we, we're going to read this and let's not dig in deeply to the word of God. I mean, what she should have, what Beth Moore should have answered with that was not to sit still, but to, 
study to show yourself approved. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, exactly. Her hermeneutics are despicable. And wait, wait, I, she, I, she has hermeneutics to me. I, I didn't Do know I? she had. I didn't know she had hermeneutics. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. You know, I've told uh, well, Kathy Peters, Justin's wife. I've told her because my daughter lives in Houston, and uh, I know where Beth lives. And I, I really would, honestly, Andrew, I, I would love to go to her house with the Bible and sit down and talk to her. She probably wouldn't let me in her in her door, but just to talk to her face to face and. Um, I just, I'm grieved and I, you know, the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch and she's making those women too full, too more full, more of a child of hell than she is. And that's what scares me. And her followers are becoming just like her. And I know because I've dealt with some of them, they're vicious, they're mean, and it's, it's grievous. It's just grievous to me. Oh yeah. I, I don't get, I don't seem to get as much hate mail as uh, when, until I do something about Beth Moore, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Then, then I I hear a lot of it, but that that's really the the thing you, you nailed it. Her followers are very vicious. are just like her. Yeah, you know, <laughs> by their it, fruits you will know them. By their, you know, when that thing came out with John MacArthur, you were there when he <laughs> told her to go home. You and that's when you and I met. Yeah. Um, you know, she has continued. I don't have social, you know, media. I don't do Instagram or any of that stuff. But, but Kathy keeps me abreast of all this. But she's really just mock. She's been mocking him mm-hmm. since then, and you know, that's one of the signs of a false teacher, according to Jude. They're mockers. Yep. And even if I was confronted by a, a man I don't agree with, I would not be out mocking him in a public forum like that. That is so grievous well mocking but taking him out of context and doing it yeah oh yeah you know she's not she's not dealing with what he actually said and the context of it and and she's definitely not addressing the context of the day because just earlier that day at that conference justin did a whole thing on hearing the voice of god and and showing how you know people like beth moore looking for some extra biblical information mm-hmm. dreams mm-hmm. which which again i you know i'll deal with with the, when i go through in the snatching from the flame seminar i go through the entire book of jude on how to identify false teachers and mm-hmm. you know and yeah we'll have a clip of beth in there <laughs> but mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that when you, you see this you just mentioned something that i i think is really important for folks is you know w- being able to um go to her house like you're right. If we went to her house, she wouldn't see you or I. But I want, yeah, I know. But she should. <laughs> I mean, look, I I've had the privilege, as I'm sure you have, to to get to know people that many of us would would look up to in Christian circles, um, names that, that are big names. But I have some of those people. And I'm not going to name the names here, but I, I know of some people who I've called up on the phone. And had to say, look, you know, you you said something. Uh, I want to get more clarification because I think what you said was was wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's one individual where I, I I remember calling him up recently. This is this is someone who's known around the world, and I could call him up and say, hey, you know, I, th- I think you know that there's an issue here, and he apologized and was like, you know what. Yeah, let me let me explain that. I I, I didn't word that well, um, and it gave you the a wrong impression. Uh, so please forgive me for that. And this is someone who is who's got a busier speaking schedule than you. 
<laughs> which you mm-hmm. have a pretty busy speaking so you're, you're almost as busy as Justin when I looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not right now. It's all yeah. been shut down. Yes. <laughs> it was becoming very busy, but yeah. yeah the, so. the, you know, the, the, but the, the thing with this virus is, I don't know if you've been doing this. I've, I've been speaking around the world right from my house. I mean, I've, yeah, I've me preached <laughs> in India. I've preached in the Philippines. This weekend yeah. I'm preaching in Oregon. Uh, and I don't leave the house. I'm actually kind of liking that aspect, but it's not oh. the same feeling as when you're with people, getting to meet them and no, getting to know them. I miss it. I miss it a lot. But I am starting back in July. I'm going to Florida. So at least at least I have one out. <laughs> so. Wait, you're, you're going to Florida in July. You're supposed to plan those in the winter months. I know. So <laughs> we'll see. I'm hoping to resume my schedule soon, but it, it's in the Lord's hands. And he has given not a lot of other ways to minister. So an online conference, I'm going to be a part of one of those next month. So we'll just see what, what, what the Lord has. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that is the, the reason we did this snatch them by the flames. Justin and I had our schedule freed up and we we're like, well, let's, let's plan something. Let's do something. And, uh, we actually thought, gee, May May thirtieth may be too late. Everyone might be out of their house by then. But yeah. it turned out well because everyone else started doing conferences after we started planning it. So, but but let's let's talk about what would good women's ministry in a church look like? Because I think that you know we could look at some of these women and say, okay, this is problematic, and there's some who. I, I do think uh, that there's some that start off with with good intentions, mm-hmm. but once publishing companies get involved, it, it it's it becomes this uh, this thing where well we got to we got to you know soften it so that it appeals to more people. I know in the I've had I have one book that went through a publisher. It's sharing the good news with Mormons. There was 24 authors. We we all wrote a chapter it's a very thick book but i i was frustrated with the publishers mm-hmm. because i have a phrase that i've been saying for you know going on 30 years which is that i i do open air evangelism i, I share the gospel in the open you know for two reasons one to clearly communicate the gospel message two to get one professing atheist to tell another professing atheist to shut up in other words, I want to conduct mm-hmm. my behavior in such a way that even someone who hates the message respects the way that I present the message. And so that that's why I call it ambassador evangelism. I need to be a good ambassador. Man, I was fighting with the publisher. Like, look, this is the mm-hmm. way I've said it for years. And they're like, I think they worded it like to have one unbeliever ask another unbeliever to be quiet. And like, it doesn't have the same effect. But publishers mm-hmm. do that because they want to sell. And yeah. I think that there that that happens. I also think that what ends up happening is pride. I think that pride is a, a very deceptive... Um, I really became aware of pride in, in the Christian circles. Um, I don't know if you know the name Mark Cahill. He's an evangelist. Mm-hmm. He's a, a, was a well-known evangelist. And, uh, and he and I used to be friends. And so we went to this conference, uh, it was called the deeper conference. He was speaking and there was a line of people out and around the corner to see him, to, you know, just to talk to him. And he wanted me to 
you know, to give him something when we got to think. So I waited, you know, I was kind of off in the, in, in the hover position, as people call it, like off to the side, waiting for him to finish speaking to someone. And then I just walked up to give him this set of DVDs that he wanted. And, you know, I was just like, you know, I just said, here, you know, give this to you. And he thanked me and he, he wanted to ask some questions. I'm like, dude, just, you got the long line of people. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Just give me a call next week when we get back home. He goes, all right, I'll call you. As I'm walking away, he said, I'll call you. Well, as he said that, I had three people come right alongside me. And I'm talking to him and I realized something at that moment. They really didn't care about me. They cared that Mark knew who I was. And they wanted to get to know me to get to know Mark. Now, I, I did something that was wrong. I lied. Um, I actually told a guy, because I, 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 I actually felt that pride, like, ooh, look, these people want to know me. And then, like, realized they really didn't. And so I ended up lying and saying I had to go meet someone when I really didn't just to get away from the guy mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, now, since then, I've learned how to deal with it. It's, it's one of the reasons I, when I go preaching with Ray Comfort, I don't do it the, sat, the Sunday, or sorry, the Saturday after Shepherd's Conference. I'll go out a week before so that I could do it when no one from Shepherd's Conference is there. So no one, like, there's just unbelievers there. <laughs> there's no believers mm-hmm. who are who are going, oh, you know Ray Comfort, you know? So I think mm-hmm. those things happen, but... Could you explain what we should look for with good women's ministry in church? What should that look like? Yeah, I can. Um, you know, I believe, first of all, it should come under the umbrella of the, the pastor and elders, uh, depending on the church government. So everything needs to be approved by them. And in our church, our elders have asked that we uh, just study the Bible. And so I, I write my own Bible studies. I've written 13 to date. And um, most of them, uh, six have been published. The others are on their way to being published. But so I, I write expository studies for women and they're verse by verse application illustration for women. And um, so we study the Bible. And if I'm not teaching other women that do teach, it's mainly good, uh, sound theological material. So um, that's the first thing. It has to come under the authority of the elders. And then if we do other books, like during the summer, they also have to be approved by the elder board. And so that's just for our protection. And so I think a good solid women's ministry would be founded on scripture. And we have small groups. We have leaders that uh, are approved that you know, know how to facilitate a discussion. They know how to confront error if it, it's brought up. And so I teach, and then we have discussion time and fellowship. And then we also have a very active Titus II ministry where old women, uh, you get together with younger women and disciple them in the areas of, uh, you know, domestic things. Just the the sevenfold curriculum in Titus II, teach them how to be sober-minded, love their husbands, their children, be pure, keepers at home, and good and obedient to their husbands. So we have, I think that's a healthy women's ministry where they're being taught the Bible, but also being discipled. And so in our church, we, we probably have 90, 95% of our women that are either discipling or being discipled. And uh, again, it's all under the umbrella and protection of, you know, the, the elder board. And um, so we're, we're just very, very thankful for that. But I definitely, I would not gravitate to women's materials that is, um, you know, based on feelings or psychology or I never ask a question like, well, how does this make you feel? It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter how it makes you feel. It matters what God says. And so I, I try to, we stay away from all that kind of material 
So and you, uh, so you stay away from SYI Bible studies, huh? You know what that stands for? No, I do not know what that stands for. Show your ignorance. That's where everyone <laughs> sits around in a Bible study, yeah. having not studied at all, and just go, yeah. what does this mean to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we don't do that. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. So, and, you know, I am thankful. Um, I think there are women out there. I've met them on my traveling excursions. Uh, there are women out there that really want to know the Bible, and they really want to be instructed in truth. But there are far more other women, I think, who gravitate towards the Beth Moore type studies, unfortunately. But again, I think it goes back to leadership. And if your elder board and your pastor is not sound theologically and biblically, then you're going to have women that are weak and um, and they're not going to be instructed in things that they, they should be. So uh, I'm thankful for the protection of that. But again, I think the you know, we, we're just seeing a weakness in the churches all all around. It's not just it's not just women's ministry. My husband has often said from the pulpit, pastors are politicians and cowards, and, and until they can stop being politicians and cowards, the church is not going to be strong um, in its foundation. So, I wish your husband would say what he really thinks. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> do Do you think that it could be just because it's easy to do a study that you just pull off the shelf. You don't have to prepare much. Do you think that's why it's become so popular? Because it's just, it's easy. It's probably because I did the same thing you did when I first started looking to, you know, through to be published because someone said I needed to do it. And I, I, you know, I would present my stuff to Moody or, you know, other publishers and they want me to cut half of it out. And I go, how can you do that? It's a Bible study. You can't can't cut out half of it. (laughs) So through the Lord's gracious providential kindness, focus publishing uh, sought me out and, and they started publishing and I have a contract with them. So they published it in its entirety and will uh, the Lord willing. So I'm thankful but you're right. They people they just want the bottom. Give me the bottom line. Give me the bottom line. And uh, I'm sorry, you know, the, you've got to study to show yourself approved. You know, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. So I mean, I, I spend 15 to 30 hours for every message I write, and um, you know, to to study it properly, I do my own outlines. I, you know, like I said, I memorize it before I even teach it. Um, and my husband goes through all my books before they're published to make sure they're theologically correct. And so that's just for protection, you know, and um, to offer something out there that women can sink their teeth into, hopefully. <laughs> so. You know, now, no, you said something that I want to highlight because when I do our Bible Interpretation Made Easy seminar, we teach people how to interpret the Bible in churches. Mm-hmm. We come in for a weekend and do this. And one of the things I do at the end is to say, okay, look, this sounds like a lot of work when, when you, you lay out all that is required, all that you should be mm-hmm. doing to do study of God's Word. It sounds like a lot of work. And if you have a faithful pastor, this is what your pastor's doing every week. So if it sounds mm-hmm. like a lot, then you should be praying for your pastor a lot more yep. because this yep. is what a pastor should be at least doing. <laughs> Week in, week out. I, I know it blows people away when I would say that <clears throat> for me, a sermon 
is an is an average. It, it used to be about thirty hours, thirty to forty. Now I'd say it's twenty to thirty. Just mm-hmm. I think it's reduced because the the more you study and the more you preach, mm-hmm. the there there is some that you retain. Yes, <clears throat> and you learn how to do things quicker. I've learned how to work with my well, PC study software better and. I've just learned how to, you know, know more scripture now. I have a better understanding, so it goes a little faster. But it's 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 a lot of work. I love it, but it's a lot of work. Well, in my case, some of it's, you know, with my Lagos, that, that definitely saved me time of not having to pull books and open them because I can one-click yeah. and get it. But I have learned how to not uh, not go on all the rabbit trails of, oh, let's go and research this now. Let's look at this. <laughs> right. You know, right. oh, this is of interest. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to learn to do that, but, but this, you know, for people who hear what you just said, that seems like a lot, 15 to 30 hours, but I think this is the problem that we have in church. I, I'll even say with Sunday school, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are familiar with the Answers in Genesis um, survey that was done where they mm-hmm. talked about the reason people were leaving the church was they left when they were in Sunday school because in Sunday school we teach facts as if it's story and then they go to school and they get evolution as if it's a fact. And I think that's partially true. <clears throat> but the other part that I think is true is the fact that who teaches Sunday school? Any warm body, mm-hmm. you know, a- anyone who's mm-hmm. willing. And they don't study. Mm-hmm. They, they Okay, here's your material. Here's the material you have to, to teach for tomorrow. They, they read it maybe the night before. They come in. It's a bunch of, here's some crafts we're going to do with the kids. Here's some things we're going to do. Here's a little story. They haven't studied it out. I mean, when I was uh, a pastor and when, in different churches, we, we, I've always kind of had it where we wrote our own material. We, as a leadership, we provided an outline, but it required about 10 hours of study. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and but it's worth it. And I, you know, I've got to answer as Justin often says, I have one to answer to, and that's God. So I better have it down right. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, I try to say the difference of where I, where it's just my opinion and where Scripture mm-hmm. says. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, but I want go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I I want to I want to be accurately dividing the word of truth, and I I've seen the changes in our women. They're 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 growing spiritually, and you know uh, it shows up in their home life and their marriage. And I'm just so thankful. Uh, I want uh, I go to other churches, and honestly, Andrew, you know it's it's grievous. Some of these women they they don't know where the simplest things are in the Bible, and they're struggling with all kinds of issues in their home, but. They're just not equipped in scripture. And so I'm very thankful for, you know, the opportunity in my own church and and to be able to help women, you know, in other areas too. So um, anyway. So what I want to to do after this break (laughs) is I would like to go through some of the resources that you have, because my hope is that people will go to withthemaster.org and check these resources out and start ordering them for for their church or or having you come out and speak, which it would would be a good thing. Although I I do I, I did take a look at the the website and I see you did dodge a bullet. I I, I see <laughs> I see that uh, May fifteenth and and sixteenth, thanks to Corona, it looks like you dodged a bullet and you don't have to be out there with Jim Osmond at at Kootenai yeah. Community Church there. Uh, so so very good. You you dodged that bullet. Uh, right. for, <laughs> for folks who, 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 who don't know, Jim is someone who's been a co-host with me on this show in, in episodes in the past. So, 
and I yeah. have speaking at his church several times, but uh, he's a good friend, and he he is he used to be uh, our mutual friend Justin Peters' pastor. So, mm-hmm. uh, but after after this break, I want to go through some of the resources. What what makes your resources different than other resources, and what people can expect to learn from them? So let's let's talk about that after this break. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 29.11 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. Can you answer the following questions for your children or for the person to whom you are witnessing? Number one, is the New Testament reliable? Two, can you explain the Trinity to me? Three, how is Jesus both God and man? And a slew of other questions you will be able to answer if you get Andrew Rappaport's new book, What Do We Believe? It will help you a ton. Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com, whatdowebelievebook.com. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdothebelieve.com. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. And you can also get that at the Striving for Eternity store. Just go to strivingforeternity.org. And I should mention that we are, as was will be mentioned tomorrow, but if time this drops, it'll be yesterday, uh, at the Snatch Them from the Flames conference, that we are having a Striving for Eternity moving sale. All of our books, all of our syllabuses for the Striving for Eternity Academy are all half off. Because we're moving Striving Fraternity, and we're looking to reduce what we have to move. So we're offering to you 50% off if you just use coupon code MOVE. So just put in coupon code MOVE with your order, and all the books and syllabuses will be 50% off. So take advantage of that. So we're back with Susan Heck, and again, the website is withthemaster.org. Now, there's... As we've been talking, there is a lot of resources, Susan, for women's ministries. You have produced a number of them. And what I'd like to do is kind of just go through so that if there's people who are saying, you know, I I did go to a church where we had Beth Moore, and we want to get some solid stuff. They want to reach out to get some of your resources in. Could you give us an overview of what how your resources are organized, what people can expect with them, what kind of sets them different from a Beth Moore, and then what are some of the topics and things that people can learn? Thank you. 
Um, yeah, I have written 13 Bible studies to this day. Um, I just finished a study in Second Timothy, and uh, six of them have been published in book form. And this, the next one was getting ready to be published when COVID-19 came. So uh, the goal is to have them all published, and I do hope to keep writing. So they're all uh, I've written study on James, Colossians, First Peter, First Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, the Upper Room Discourse, and you know on and on. But so my my studies are written in an expository fashion. I'm sure your audience knows what that means, verse by verse, through books of the Bible. And I have study questions at the end of every chapter, and so it's digging deeper. I have application questions, and usually scripture memory one verse based on the text. And um, so they they are meaty studies, but they are written in a fashion that I believe even the, the newest believer could understand uh, my, my Bible studies. They're also on um, DVD and then also on YouTube. We now have a YouTube channel, and a lot of my teaching can be found on YouTube. So ladies could go through a Bible study on YouTube and then get the homework from my website. They can download it, and so they could come to church or their home and watch one of my teachings and then do the homework. And um, so there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ways that they can do that. And I do have churches that do go through my studies, and I'm uh, just very thankful for that, that God is using them. Um, and then I've written other books, you know, Helping Women Put Off Life-Dominating Sins. I've written a book on uh, 20 Tests for God's Little Children out of First John. Uh, called the discipleship called a scripture memory. Another book that was getting ready to be published when COVID-19 came was speaking the truth in love in a post-truth world. Uh, but they can find that book that right now on YouTube. Uh, we just recorded that at my church so they can get it in audio form and video form, but it's not in the book yet. Uh, speaking the truth in a post-truth world, because I think we've lost the art of, um, of speaking truth. And, um, and so there's other things like that, resources that, uh, you know, they can use. There's, those are more, you know, uh, those other ones are more like booklets more than, you know, big Bible studies. So anyway, but there's a lot of different ways they can do it. Uh, audio, video, get on my website. They can listen to teaching that way or YouTube. So, or purchase a book off Amazon or through me or through Focus Publishing. So. And, and for folks to know, if they go to your website with, with the master.org, the, YouTube channel is at the bottom of the page is a little link on the lower right to get to your YouTube right. channel. <clears throat> so, I mean, this is, you have a lot of material, but you know, when we, when we think about this, um, I think about the way most people try to teach, which as we said earlier, is just, they want to just read something and then facilitate a discussion about what people think about whatever was read. Mm-hmm it doesn't sound like your studies are really designed for that. It sounds like your studies are designed for actually doing some homework. You actually have a tab on your website with lists of homework. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's more like what we were talking about rules of interpretation. And so I'll have my, you know, sometimes they'll say, man, you have us read through the whole Bible. I don't, but I, I want them to be able to find those nuggets of truth for themselves. And so I'll, I'll ask them to compare and contrast. I'll ask them to look for things that are repeated in Scripture. And why does Paul repeat this? Or why does Peter repeat this or this phrase or this idea? And so I want them to be thinking on their own. So I don't, it's not just a fill-in-the-blank Bible study. It's not just busy work. It's, it's work where I really want them to be 
to be thinking. And then at the end, you know, what, how is this going to change your life? What are you going to do about what you've just been taught? You know, so it's one thing to be hearers or studiers, but we need to be doers of the word. And, um, and that's why we have the small groups so they can pray for one another, hold one another accountable for the things that they know they need to change with God's help and his spirit. So, um, yeah, they're, they're not, they're not for fluffy people. <laughs> so, uh, so if, if they're looking for fluff, well, you head over to Beth Moore's website, but not mine. <laughs> but uh, I, I really want to help women. I, I tell you, it's been a joy because I've been doing this now for 30 years. And um, I, I just have a joy. I've met women all over the U.S. and even now in other countries. That some I disciple through Skype and I tell you, it's just a joy to see these women, you know, getting hold of truth and growing and learning and then discipling other women. And I've lived long enough to see that passing on, passing on. And uh, it's a joy. And just I just want to keep keep doing what I do till I can't do it anymore, until the Lord takes me home, whichever comes first. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, not too soon, we hope, for sure. But, yep. you know, the, you also have another resource that, if I, I didn't hear you mention, which is you have a podcast that you do. And you, you obviously, I could see how, why you and Justin Peters get along so well. Uh, Justin's <laughs> ministry is called, uh, wait, let me think about the name. I, it's hard for me to remember. Oh, that's right. Justin Peters Ministries. Uh, with right. a website of justinpeters.org. I see why you, you, you and he get along so well, because your podcast is um, named uh, Susan Heck Podcast. <laughs> 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 Actually, some guy is doing that for me. I don't know. He he's the one that started taking all my stuff and doing it because his wife wanted to listen to me, and while she was going about her day, and he said, "Do you care if I take all your teaching and do a podcast?" I said, "I don't care." So <laughs> I, I really have nothing to do with that. And even the YouTube channel, I don't I don't really do anything. I have someone in my church that wanted. She's retired now, and she said, "You know, we really need to get your teachings online." So she's the one that. She'll video me on when I teach, and then she puts it up there and puts all the bells and whistles on it. So, um, if it can help somebody, I'm I'm thankful, you know, to have it available. So, <laughs> anyway, well, and I mean, the this is using the technology to to get the truth out, and it is sad mm-hmm. that we have to battle against so much error. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a frustrating thing. It is, and it's getting worse and worse. It really is. And as just as Christ said, it'll become worse and worse. And false Christ, false prophets will arise. And if possible, deceive the elect. They he, they won't be able to, but I'll tell you, they're trying to do a good job of it. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's always amazing to see how, how people think that we can, in church, get along with the world and not have the world affect us, that, you know, we could play nice with them, take on their belief system and, and somehow convince them that the truth is in Christ. Like, mm-hmm. why would they, when you've already given up Christ for the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but what do you, what do you think would, is the, the greatest danger in women's ministry and churches? Uh, the greatest danger that I see is the lack of biblical knowledge and um they don't there's no desire for the pure milk of the word and therefore they're not growing and along with that would be an addiction to uh social media i just heard a 
a sermon by Pastor MacArthur that he did two weeks ago. And he was talking about it was the importance of fellowship with one another. And he was talking about the danger of um, cell phone, social media. And I, I'm just really disturbed when I will talk to women as I travel and speak who are biblically illiterate. But then when you kind of probe a little bit and ask personal questions, they'll spend two to four hours a day on Facebook or Instagram or just meaningless, trivial stuff, searching recipes online, you know, searching an hour for some recipe that's going to be eaten in 10 minutes and wasting time. And so I I think we're just, that's what I see. It's women that are, I was talking to a gal the other day that I disciple in New Jersey and she said, I just can't, I can't find any women that are older and godly and I, that I want to emulate. And I said, that's an indictment on our church. And that um, shouldn't be that way. There should be a plethora of older women in every church that young women can say, yeah, I want to, I want to follow her. She follows Christ, but they're just not there because they'd rather, you know, be involved in trivial drippings of the day and um, they're wasting their life. <laughs> So that's, that's what I see. You asked me, so I just told you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, do you, do you think, I mean, you, you brought up a, a point though, is do you think that with, remember, if you remember back in the eighties with the worship wars where based on the style of music that you wanted to hear in church, they, they started dividing the church into a traditional and contemporary and the traditional was for the mm-hmm. older congregation and the contemporary for the younger congregation. And, which ended up really being that they just split off churches where you had more traditional churches and contemporary churches so that those those groups didn't even get to, to know each other within one church, but now they're in totally separate churches. Do you think that that divide in generation had a, had a play in all this in the fact that you were not seeing that Titus model of older men to older to younger men, older women to younger women played out? Yeah, I would. I would. I would say yes. It has had a big. Um, I, I believe that has has a big uh, whatever the word I'm looking for <laughs> impact on it. Because I remember after my husband graduated from seminary and we moved back to Oklahoma, I was just all of a sudden just struck with the fact that I didn't see that happening in churches. There was not this discipling going on, and I wondered why that was so neglected and and i do believe there is a big divide and so we haven't raised up a generation of men and women that see the importance of biblical discipleship or training you know one another in in how to study the bible and how to learn the bible and you know we think of you know popcorn call to god and and one verse a day is going to get us through our you know the spiritual battle of life every day we're crazy (laughs) it's not gonna work and so, um, but unfortunately, that's what's being modeled yeah. in the churches today. I mean, I even see this with like the way the church, some churches will do Sunday schools or something. It's, it's as if everyone's kind of broken. If you're older, you have no children, you you can hang out together. Then if you're younger, mm-hmm. you have children, you hang out together. If you're, if you're the, the mm-hmm. college and career, the singles, you hang out. Yeah, and, and it's all divided we were in one church that what my wife and I would do once a month is have a dinner and we would take a, a different 
couple or individuals from each of those kind of groups because we saw everyone segregating that way and just would have them over for dinner to get to know one another. And people started realizing mm-hmm. they had so much they could learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was very healthy for the church. But I don't mm-hmm. see that being done often. I think, mm-hmm. as you said, that the Titus model just is is something not being done in churches. And mm-hmm. I think that adds to why we're, we're so anemic as a church. Yep. Well, we don't realize that with age comes wisdom. And so we put old people on a shelf and we think they have nothing to offer when, in fact, they have, I mean, I have two women that disciple me. One's 86 and one's 76. They've been working with me for 30 years. And I still, uh, I'm 64, but I still value my my time with them and uh, and being mentored by them and, and learning from what they've learned through life's experiences and uh, growing and things like that. And we just don't value older people. And we stick them in nursing homes and, and you know, it, it's it's sad. And yet there's, there's a lot of benefit there. And I am thankful we do have a lot of uh, different ages in our church. And, and we, I do see that there is not that divide, but I do think you're right. And I think it, the, you know, I don't want to pick on the millennials, but I think there's an issue there and they, they would rather learn from each other, their peers, which is what got Rhea Boehm in trouble than to listen to, the older saints, you know, who've gone through trials and struggles and they've walked with God for, you know, 20, 30 years and can pass on such, such help if they would just, you know, seek it. So, yeah, that's well, my two cents. <laughs> you know, because, because this, this is the thing, how God has structured it. And we, we're, we're so ignoring that. I mean, I remember when I was pastor at the Chinese church, and maybe it had more to do with the Chinese culture, but when we we would get together, the all the children, I noticed, would were kind of always together. Not mm-hmm. by age. It was just anyone under 18. And so mm-hmm. the older children naturally looked out and cared for and watched the younger children. And mm-hmm. I was able to watch as those younger children matured, they took on that responsibility of taking care of the younger kids and mm-hmm. they matured better. They learned how to, to be in serve in church better. And I think this, you know, that is something that we have, we've, we've so divided all the age groups in a church. We started with the children and now we're doing it to the adults. Mm-hmm. And I think it ruins the discipleship that God has designed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. So, whatever we can do to reclaim that biblical model is good, and I and I am thankful that God is using me to at least get the message out there. I just did two two sessions on discipleship, and it's on my YouTube channel on the importance of it. And um, I'm I'm hoping that God will use that to stir up some people. Well, you know, I am. Um it has been such a blessing to have you on and to be able to discuss this because quite frankly, women's ministry is unfortunately for many pastors, something that they just hand off to some woman in the church, their wife or someone else and, and try to forget about. And I think your, your charge, your, your counsel of saying that the, the pastors of the church should be involved 
should be active, should be knowing what's taught. I think the materials that you're providing are necessary for people. Uh, again, I just want to encourage people, go to withthemaster.org. Check out the materials there. Check out where Susan is going to be speaking. She She's speaking all over the place, so she's probably speaking somewhere near you. Um, if you... If she's not, then here's my suggestion. Uh, go talk to your pastor and say, hey, uh, can we get Susan to speak at our church? Here's here's how you do it. You just go to her page, you click on speaker schedule, and there's a link at the bottom of how to get a hold of her to have her speak. It's, it's quite simple, actually. And uh, you should do that and have her at, at your church, uh, especially with the fact that, uh, you know, for people who do what we do, it's kind of hard when all of a sudden all speaking events stop. Um, and so uh, help help her out by ha- you know booking her in your church to make up for the events that she had to cancel. Um, but uh, except for that one at Kootenai Community Church with Jim Osmond, <laughs> yeah, skip that one. You, you dodged a bullet there. You're you're safe. I mean, even Justin left that church. I know he wants to be near the grandchildren, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been to that church four or five times, so it was sad that we had to, you know, cancel. But it is what it is. Yeah. So listen, I, I want to I want to play a game with you that I do with my guests, and just so you know, there's no pressure on you. All the pressure's okay. on me. So we're gonna play a game. It's time now to start the spiritual transition game. Now, I know that you listen to this podcast religiously, so you know what this is, but I'm going to explain it to everyone else who doesn't. So here's here's where you play this game, Susan. You're going to give me something, an object or a topic, whatever it is, and my job is to get to the gospel. Now, I don't edit this part, so if you stump me, you stump me, and, you know, it, it's happened before. But the the goal of this is to train ourselves to be able to transition from the natural to the spiritual. In other words, the, the thing with evangelism that people find so hard is, how do I start that conversation? Well, the reason it's hard is because people don't practice that. And this is a way of practicing. We turned it into a game. You could play it in your small group Bible study, you know, when you're yeah. at church with just having people over for dinner. Just Throw a topic and say, can you turn that into a spiritual conversation? Can you turn this, get this to the gospel? So Susan's mm-hmm. going to give me something. And while she's thinking about that, that's the whole reason I give the explanation to delay and give her time to think about something. <laughs> and she's going to give me something. And I have the job of transitioning from whatever she gives me to the gospel as quickly and not just quickly, but as tactfully as I can, so it's a smooth transition. Remember, this is as if you're having a conversation with somebody, and you want to be able to go from wherever they're talking about to the gospel. So, Susan, what am I going to transition to today? Why do you think that COVID-19 came into our world? Uh, That seems to be a popular one these days, is COVID-19. It's (laughs) like it might be on people's mind. Why would COVID-19 come into the world? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. Um, I think we could look at what, you know, scientists doing what's, you know, they're doing in trying to push science to to its extreme, because I don't believe it came uh, from from bats in, in nature. Uh, and, and just the reason is, is you know, for the, the chemicals to change the way they did, it would, it would take about 800 years 
of of change uh, to be able to occur that that much from from the, the SARS and whatnot. So I think that it just comes from people trying to push the limits of what they could do, see how far they could go. And that could, can be helpful, but it could be dangerous because when we, when we say that we want to see what we could do without having ethics, without having some way of saying, is this right? Science can do lots of things, but the question is, should science do some of those things? Well, one reason why I would say science shouldn't do some things, like this, for example, is experimenting with these things can cause problems, such as you infect a bat with a virus and you, you perfect that, but then someone decides, well, we got to get rid of these bats, we'll sell them on the market. Bad idea, right? And it, it spreads. But we, so we need to ha- ask sometimes the questions, should we do this? Not can we do this? And we see this in a lot of different areas. There's lots of things in our culture that people say, well, I can do this. I can love someone of the same sex as me. But the question is, should we do that? And but where can we get that standard from? Well, ultimately, where, where coronavirus came from is the fact that we live in a cursed world. And where we get the ethics from, if it's going to be a proper ethic, it has to have an absolute universal standard. And the only way you have that is in the nature of God alone, the one that created the universe. He gives us that standard of ethics to say whether what's right and wrong and whether we should do something or not. And and that's that sin entered the world and that just all the diseases is the curse on on the entire universe is cursed because of what Adam and Eve had done. And when we look at that, we end up seeing that all of us, if, if we're going to be honest, you and I, we break God's law. We lie and we steal. We we covet. We break the commandments that, that God says we shouldn't do. God's written his law in our hearts so we, would, we know that guilty conscience we have when we do something we know is wrong. That's telling us we need to get right with God. And the way to get right with God is to turn from trusting ourselves as a good person, turn from trusting our good works, and turn to Jesus Christ alone as the payment of sin. Why him alone? Because he's truly God and truly man. Being truly man, he could pay a fine for other men. But being truly God, he can pay an eternal fine for more than one person. And that is what makes him unique and what makes Christianity unique. So my encouragement would be to not worry about coronavirus, but worry about what happens a second after you die. Get right with God today. Turn from trusting yourself or your good works or your genealogy. Well, I was raised Catholic. I'll die Catholic. Turn from those things and trust in Jesus Christ alone. So that's how I would go from uh, why coronavirus is in the world to the gospel. Hmm. Cool. Well, I want to let give you some time to wrap up with anything else you wanna you wanna share. Anything else you have coming up, other than us waiting for publishers to start publishing your books again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'm. That's my hope. But in the meantime, I'm uh, doing writing and doing online conference and. Uh, memorizing I'm in Ecclesiastes now, so doing that since I finished the New Testament. So it's been a great book during this time, a time for everything, a time to embrace, <laughs> a time to refrain from embracing. I thought, well, that's social distancing. When <laughs> did you start? Actually... <laughs> when did you start memorizing that book? Uh, probably about March of this year. So I'm in chapter three. Was it? But, did you uh, start it's... that because of this whole pandemic, or did, were you just? No. 
you just, just by I, God's I was providence start you started Genesis. I was going to start in Genesis, and I thought, well, that's a long book. I think I'll, I've always wanted to memorize Ecclesiastes. I think it's such a great book, and so I thought, oh, I'll start there and then go to Genesis. So it's been a joy. But yeah, I don't really, you know, I just would like to encourage your audience, especially the well, the men too, but the females to to really, uh, you know just make sure that what they're reading and listening to is, is sound doctrine and, um, and to, to not gravitate towards the, the fluffy, puffy stuff that is out there. And, uh, you know, uh, they want to be strong in their faith and they're not, that's not going to cut it, you know, listening to that other stuff. So mm-hmm. whether it's me or somebody else or, you know, get some men's stuff, get some of John MacArthur stuff or some solid biblical men, um, you know, to, to listen to and, and spend their time wisely. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the wisdom that you provided. And let me ask just one last question before we go. When you, when you've memorized this stuff, do you go back and re like rememorize it or do you memorize and then move on? Or do you kind of, no, I, I review everything. Um, this morning I was reviewing all of Luke. That was my last New Testament book to memorize. So I, I do try to read, I try to review everything I've memorized within a couple weeks, uh, period of time. So I'm always, I'm always reviewing and, um, so I don't lose it. And then when I notice that there's some rough places in certain chapters, I'll try to put those on the fast track and, just and I try to do first thing in the morning. Otherwise, as the day goes on, it's kind of harder to make yourself be still and, yeah. and do that stuff because I'm pretty pretty active. So, um, but yeah, I do. I'm, I'm always reviewing, and um, when I have time, I, I, I do. I review. I try to get it done in two two to four weeks. I I try to review the whole New Testament somehow. So, and a lot of the books I've known. Like when I met my husband, I was only eighteen, and he encouraged me to memorize Colossians. Uh, back then. So I've had that memorized for, we'll be married 45 years this year. So I can, you know, quote Colossians backwards and forwards almost because I've had it memorized for so long. So the more you review it, the more it just rolls off your tongue. And um, that's what I have found. So I I try to keep a good review system going because I don't want to lose it. I want to be able to use it when I teach and, you know, disciple. I'm I'm also a biblical counselor. So, um, uh, I, you know, counsel, and I like to be able to be able just to have it in my head to be able to help people. So. Yeah, and I think that's where my loss was. Is I would I would memorize as you, I'd memorize books as I went through preaching them, and but I didn't go back and review, and I would lose it. But I still keep kind of the outline mm. in my in my mind. Yeah, so, which is good. Yeah, uh, so folks, go to withthemaster.org. Check out all the resources Susan has. Book her to come speak at your church. Uh, and again, Striving for Turning Moving Sale, it's on until July 15th of uh, 2020. So just order whatever books, whatever syllabuses you want, you'll get 50% off by using the, the coupon code MOVE, M-O-V-E, in the, in the discount code. And so until next week, remember to strive to, to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. And that's a wrap. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.